Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. It's hard to believe that 21 years ago today, our nation and our world changed drastically. I can't believe that 21 years has passed since 9-11. And if you were alive then, and it's, it's, it's crazy to me to look around and see so many people that were not alive um, or were too little to know what was going on. But if you're like me, you remember very well exactly where you were when those planes hit those towers. And it's something that we'll never forget. And uh, as I said, our nation has never been the same since. It never will be the same. And likewise for our world. And we talked a little bit about that last week. Um, But think about how much has happened since that day 21 years ago. Um, The lives that have been lost. Uh, There's the changes in our world, and I think, if anything, it's just another reminder, guys, that this thing is is drawing to an end very soon, I believe. So, that being said, let's turn this morning to the book of Acts. Very timely, I believe. And uh, as I was studying this week, I looked back at our calendar, and, and we have been in the four Gospels since back in July. Can you, can you believe that? Um, from where we left off last week, though, let me just give you a little bit of background. We looked at Matthew 24, and again, a, a great teaching of Jesus. And from that moment, Jesus is then betrayed. He's arrested, taken into Roman custody. He's questioned by the Romans, questioned by the Jews. He's tortured almost to the point of death, and then he's led out and he's crucified on the cross where he dies. Then the disciples are so surprised. And, and again, it goes back. Remember how many times Jesus has told them this, this, the same thing over and over and over. But still, three days later, they're surprised when they find out, well, wait a minute, this tomb's empty. Who took his body? No. What did he say? He said, I'm going to come back, guys. And they're shocked when he actually does rise from the dead. So then, this is where it gets interesting. Jesus spends the next 40 days with them and teaching them even more and and talking to other people. And and I think if you read through uh, the end of the Gospels and the first part of Acts, I think those 40 days made a tremendous difference for the disciples because they radically changed from the time that Jesus is crucified, from the time He's resurrected, and then when He ascends back to the Father. So I think they actually did soak in a lot and learn a lot during that 40 days. 40-day period, but I think also the resurrection and seeing that Jesus actually did defeat death made a big difference for them. So then, Jesus leaves them with the Great Commission, and that takes us out of the four Gospels into the first chapter of Acts this morning where we'll be. And so Acts was also written by Luke. It's the sequel to the Gospel of Luke. And in the first chapter of Acts, Jesus once again for the last time has His disciples gathered together for one more lesson and really this major event in His life where He ascends back to the Father. He leaves earth at least for a couple thousand years and counting. And so then Acts chapter 1 verse 4 tells us this. 
It says, while he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the father's promise, which he said, you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they'd come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? He said to them, it's not for you to know times or periods that the Father is set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So this morning, we're going to, we're really for the next several weeks, we're going to be spending some time in the book of Acts. Next week, Pastor Shane is going to preach from Acts chapter 2 about the perfect church, and I'm excited to have him be here to be able to do that. I'm thankful for Pastor Shane and Jamie and the girls. Yeah. We'll get a early start on pastor appreciation. Go ahead and just thank him for all that he does. But this morning, I want to give you an overview of the book of Acts because it's so important. This book, it's right between the Gospels and the rest of the New Testament. It's so, so important. And it tells the story of this spark that was, that was ignited in Palestine 2,000 years ago. And just like that opening video showed, that spark just just caught fire, and it took the world by storm, and it literally spread like a wildfire around that region, all through Jerusalem, all through Judea and Samaria, and around the different continents, and is still spreading to the ends of the earth. And that fire of the Holy Spirit in the gospel continues to spread through Christ's church to this very day. And so the book of Acts really serves, if you think about it this way, it's kind of a bridge between Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the letters of Paul and James and Peter and those others. And so if you think about it, Matthew ends looking at Jesus' resurrection. That's also found in Acts 1. Mark ends talking about the ascension. That's also found in Acts 1. Luke talks about the promise of the Holy Spirit. Again, that's in Acts 1. And John concludes talking about the second coming of Christ, which is also found in Acts chapter one. And so through the, this wonderful book of Acts, we learn a few things. One, we learn about the power of the Holy Spirit and how the church is supposed to operate and function and the things that we should do and even some lessons about things we shouldn't do. And we see how God can use this group of ordinary people, men and women who are filled with His Spirit to turn their community and their world upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then... Several chapters later, the book of Acts just stops. It just ends abruptly. And I think the reason for that is because, in my opinion, the book of Acts is still being written in history today. And we, the church, are so fortunate to be part of God's story. And I think when we look at this and we realize that, we have to realize there are things that we need to know and understand because if we're part of this story, we got to faithfully put the ending on history as we know it. So the first thing we learn just from Acts chapter 1 here is that the spirit of Acts is the spirit in me. We can't forget that. Luke tells us Jesus commanded his disciples, guys, do not leave Jerusalem. Not yet. You will, but not yet. He says, go and wait for the Father's promise. And that promise, of course, was the promised Holy Spirit, which Jesus had talked about several times. Now, I don't know about you, but I've often wondered, why did Jesus need to go back to heaven anyway? 
Why didn't, I mean, he'd already died for our sins. He'd rose from the grave and defeated death. Why not just stay here and just inaugurate the kingdom 2,000 years ago? Well, I think the short answer, the simple answer is because there are still souls that need to be saved. And God's method for getting the gospel to the nations and saving those souls over time is me and you. It's the church. And so I think uh, really one way to look at it is Jesus needed to ascend to heaven because I kind of think his physical presence on earth would have uh, somewhat inhibited that mission. Because if he didn't go, then the Holy Spirit couldn't come. And Jesus said, I must go so I can send the comforter to you. And so the the Holy Spirit allows Christ to be not just physically present with His church, but to be spiritually present all over the world at the same time. So this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it was necessary for us, for the church, to go about this, this daunting task that Christ gave us to spread the gospel and to disciple the nations of the world. I can't overstate the importance of the Holy Spirit in your life. So we read about all these incredible things throughout the book of Acts. Things that God did through these men, through these women. These, uh, you know, Peter, for example, gets up. Peter of all people. The guy that said he didn't even know Jesus. Gets up, filled with the Holy Spirit. Preaches a sermon empowered by the Holy Spirit. And literally thousands of people get Saved. Then we read about these miracles that take place. And we're just so amazed by this. We're fascinated by this. And while, yeah, these were very special men, they walked with Jesus, literally. They heard teaching from His mouth. Uh, they were special. They were apostles. But at the end of the day, they were still just that. They were men. But they were men that were empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, that it wasn't them that did these great things and that said these great things and performed these miracles. It was God working through them and the power of His Holy Spirit. And I want you to realize that same Spirit that was available to them is available to me and you. The same Spirit that was working through them is the same Spirit that wants to work through you this morning. It's the same Holy Spirit that was poured out on the day of Pentecost. It's the same Spirit here in this church this morning. The Spirit goes about equipping us, enabling us to fulfill the Great Commission, and convicting people of their sin and drawing people to God. And as Paul says, equipping the saints... For the task at hand. Jesus added, He said, Now John baptized you guys, baptized people with water, but you will be baptized here shortly with the Holy Spirit. And I wonder what was going through their mind, because these guys had seen baptism before. They knew how that worked. And, and John also added, and I think some of them probably heard this John said, Not only are you going to be baptized with the Spirit, but you're going to be baptized with fire. Now that probably scared them away a little bit. But D.L. Moody said it like this He said, Until the fire came, The disciples were not qualified to work for God. He said they were all the time making blunders. The disciples never did or said a thing that was worth recording until the fire of Pentecost came and took the impurities out of them. He said what we need is to have the Holy Spirit fire kindled that shall burn up all impurities and let the pure gold shine forth. Folks, we need the Holy Spirit of God this morning. We need to live a Spirit-filled life day to day because you can't do this thing on your own strength. 
You can't go out and preach the gospel just relying on your own abilities and your own ability, you know, just being able to quote scripture and, and use these fancy words. It's not going to work. You can't win the lost and make disciples apart from the Holy Spirit of God. So, how bright is that light burning in your life this morning? Is the Spirit alive and, and active in your life today? Is the Spirit of God making a difference in your life? Day in and day out. If not, then maybe you need to remember this thing. It's who you work for. The king of Acts is the king of me. Luke tells us in verse 6 that the disciples still had their priorities mixed up a little bit. And I, I understand they had come a long way and they were starting to grasp things and think uh, in terms of the kingdom of God. But they still didn't fully understand it. And, and they asked Jesus if now he's going to restore the kingdom to Israel. And he reminds them, just as he did back in Matthew chapter 24, he says, guys, it, it's really not any of your business when these things happen, when God does these things. You need to focus on the task at hand, which I've already given you very clearly. It's to reach the world with the gospel and make disciples of all nations. And so they still have it in their mind that somehow the kingdom is theirs. In a sense, I guess it kind of is because we're part of that kingdom and they were part of that kingdom, but it's not their kingdom. The kingdom belongs to the king. The church belongs to the king. It's not just yours or mine or Israel's or the church's. It belongs to King Jesus. It's His kingdom. And I think the beauty of not knowing when He's going to do all these things, as we talked about last week, and as He's reminding them here, the beauty of that of not knowing when the king's going to return is that we must be ready all the time doing the king's work, going about the king's business because the king literally could return at any moment. I've been coaching, you may not know this, but I've been coaching an elementary cross-country team of all things. And if you've never herded cats in your life, uh, coach an elementary cross-country team. It's very much like trying to herd cats. Um, but it's a lot of fun. And, and I'll tell you, these kids are just awesome. They're, I've got everybody on my team right now, first grade through sixth grade, and it's just, they're, they're all over the place. But we get out and we run and we work hard, and these kids, are, they're competing. We had one actually get their very first medal for the elementary school yesterday. I'm so proud of what they're doing. But I've noticed something about these kids in practice. When we're out here running around town or whatever, they always want to know, Coach, how many more laps we got? Or, or, or Coach, how many more times do we have to run up and down this flood wall? Or Coach, how much farther until we're through and get to go home? And there was actually a study conducted on runners and, and really just human nature and the way we think. And they sent a group of long-distance runners out. And all along the way, they told some of these runners, okay, you've got 10 more miles left. Now you've got eight more miles. Now you've got three more miles. But then the other group, they didn't tell them how much farther they had. Guess who did better? The folks that could see that finish line up ahead and knew how much farther they had to go. I think it's in our nature to want to give up when we can't see the finish line. It's just like Jesus talked about. He warned us about this in the Gospels. He talked about the, the delay of His return, right? But then you think about it, in reality, even though we don't know the day or the time, this is why it's so, so awesome. Our finish line could be right up ahead. We just may not be able to see it. it. It could be this day. It could be this hour. It could be this week. It could be right around the corner. And so for us, it means we've got to be about the king's work when he comes back. And it may just be momentarily. I don't know. 
So we always have to be about his business, always have to be out here spreading the gospel like it's our last chance, out here making disciples because we may not get another opportunity, teaching them, as Jesus said, to obey everything Christ commanded them because Jesus might just come back before we know it. It also requires us to make Jesus the true king of our individual lives, not just living for our little kingdoms, not just chasing our version of the American dream, but living with Jesus prioritized at the top of our lives and then everything else falling along in its natural order. So let me ask you, do you have your priorities straight this morning? Are you pursuing the kingdom of Christ? Jesus said, get it right. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and then all this stuff will be added to you. It's time that we live for His kingdom. Not just Tyler's kingdom, not just First Baptist kingdom, but the kingdom of Christ. That means we're going to have to do this last thing. We have to be on mission. This morning, the last point is that the mission of Christ is the mission for me. Not the mission of Christ. Yes, it is. The mission of Acts is the mission for me. If you haven't memorized Acts 1.8, this week, go back and memorize Acts 1.8. It's one you need to tuck away because this is the, uh, the mission way of doing things for First Baptist Church and I think it uh, should be for every church. It's our mission model. Jesus, when He's questioned, He says, you guys, you know, it's not for you to know the times. It's not for you to know the periods when the Father does what He's going to do in His own sovereignty and wisdom. But here's what you can have. You can be on mission. You can have power when the Holy Spirit comes and then you get to be my witnesses. Now, it's an interesting word that Jesus uses there, and I think he, he used it wisely. It's a legal word that comes from the Greek word martis, and guess what? It's sometimes translated as, just what it sounds like. Throughout Scripture, sometimes this very word is translated martyr. So to fulfill the Great Commission... Jesus says, I'm going to need some witnesses. I don't just need a bunch of preacher boys that want to be preachers. I don't just need a bunch of followers and name only. I'm not looking for a bunch of fans. I need witnesses, maybe even martyrs at times. I need men and women who are willing to stand before the powers that be and give the testimony to their faith and then suffer whatever consequences may come to them. I need men and women who are going to take the gospel message to the end of the earth, to their Jerusalem, to their friends, to their family, to their Jerusalem to their Samaria and all around the world. See, that's the nature of the gospel, isn't it? I mean, that video nailed it. That's, just, that's a perfect picture of what's happening with the gospel message. It is constantly moving, constantly spreading. And, and here's what you've got to understand about the gospel. If you've tuned out, listen to this this morning. The gospel is not yours to hoard all to yourself. The gospel came to you, thank God it did, but it came to you on its way to somebody else. And it's our job, our responsibility, this incredible responsibility that Christ Himself has entrusted us with, our job to get that gospel message to the next person, whoever that may be. Just think for a moment. Think about you sitting here this morning and what it took for that gospel message to get from where it started to you. I think about that, and I was thinking about it this week. I was like, God, thank you so much that 2,000 years ago, this, this message came out of the mouth of those apostles. 
And then it began to spread across that city. And then it began to spread for my people all around Europe. And somehow, thank God, it went with them across the Atlantic Ocean some hundred, several hundred years ago. And somehow, over time, the gospel infiltrated our Appalachian Mountains. And Lord only knows how it got out of the mouth of Denville Taylor to my ears in Swan Pond Holler. All the way from Jerusalem to Swan Pond. It, what a miracle! that the gospel came, but I'm so thankful it did. And here's the other part of that. What's my role now? To take the gospel that was given to me, entrusted to me, and get it to somebody else. That's our job this morning, church. So my question for you is this. If you're not on mission, if you're not being a faithful witness, what's holding you back? We have so many opportunities here in this church to minister to your Jerusalem, to your Judea, to your Samaria. We have, we're going to have so many opportunities this year for you to literally get on a plane and take the love of Christ and His gospel to the ends of the earth. What's holding you back? This morning, if you've never received that gospel, you've never been on the receiving end of it, that's where you need to start today. Because Christ died for you and for your sins. And so that not only can you be saved so that you can get on board with His mission and be part of this great co-mission with Christ. Stand together as we pray this morning. Father, we thank You for the power of Your Gospel. That it, God, it changes everything. It, it means that people who aren't worthy, people that aren't deserving, People that are hopeless can have a chance. And Lord, I thank you that you have not only saved us, but you've chosen to allow your church to be the vessel through which your gospel gets to the ends of the earth. God, what a responsibility. And God, I pray that we wouldn't take that responsibility lightly as Christians, but we'd understand that the Great Commission is not just for the apostles, it's not just for the preachers, it's for every single one of us to make disciples of our children, for husbands to disciple their families, for us to disciple other Christians and new believers that maybe we win to Christ. God, I pray this morning, if, if we're not doing that as individuals and even as a church, Lord, you give us just a fresh outpouring of your Spirit this morning. Give us the boldness that it takes to, to be a witness. God, give us the ability to, to teach our children and, and our families and our, our people, our Sunday schools, our D groups about everything Christ has commanded. God, this morning, if there's someone here or watching online that doesn't know Christ, they've not received that gospel this morning, God, I pray that you give them the faith to believe and be saved. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, as we sing a song of invitation, if you'd like to come to the altar and pray, if there's a decision you'd like to share with your church family, why don't you come as we sing? Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville 
on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at BarbervilleFBC, or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.